When, jo- when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him all authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that, um, that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they received them and have come to know the truth, that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and all yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you had given me. I have guarded them and have not let one of them been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now I am coming to you, and these things I speak into the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth, for your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they may also be sanctified in truth. That's it. Oops. Good morning, church. What a privilege to be here once again. And uh, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you with open hearts, seeking your guidance and your wisdom through your word. As we explore the prayer of your Son, may your Holy Spirit inspire, encourage, and uplift us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Imagine uh, this scenario. You find yourself in a cozy coffee shop minding your own business, when suddenly two strangers sit at the next table and engage in an incredible intimate conversation. They share their deepest thoughts, vulnerabilities, 
and frailties right before your eyes. And you have the unique opportunity to witness their private exchange. Well, today we will enter into a similar situation. Not as eavesdroppers, but as invited listeners to a profoundly personal conversation. In the book of John, in chapter 13 to chapter 16, Jesus had been having a conversation with his disciples. And at the end of chapter 16, Jesus encouraged his disciples saying, Take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. However, in the next chapter, chapter 17, Jesus changed his conversation from addressing his disciples to speaking directly to God. But the disciples are still there. They are hearing this conversation. They are hearing this prayer that Jesus is making at this moment. This moment is extraordinary as we witness Jesus' intimate and powerful conversation with God the Father. And through his prayer, we are given a unique glimpse into what Jesus pray, prays about. And guess what? His petition also includes prayers for us. Prayers for you and prayers for me. Now, according to the Bible, God exists in three distinct persons with the same essence, by, but with distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The divine love that exists between these three persons is at the center of of the universe is at the center of the message of the gospel and they share a perfect eternal relationship marked by love and unity and until now we have never had the privilege of overhearing an extended conversation between two members of the trinity Never before in the scriptures. However, in John 17, Jesus in some way let us take a peek into this conversation. Are you curious right now? And this is not just a prayer. It is a prayer, but it is a conversation from God the Son to God the Father. And this conversation, this prayer is being referred to as Jesus' high priestly prayer. Because in this prayer, Jesus intercedes on our behalf as our high priest. 
Do you remember the high priest going into the Holy of Holies in behalf of the people of Israel and presenting offerings and presenting petitions? Now we see Jesus doing exactly the same before his Father. So what's on Jesus' mind during this extraordinary prayer? Well, there is so much to explore in this chapter that a pastor once preached 45 sermons on this chapter 17. However, we only have a few minutes. So let us focus on two main priorities that shape Jesus' prayer. The first priority, the first main focus on Jesus' prayer was Jesus prays for God's glory and his own glory. If you open your Bibles and you go with me in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John in verses 1 and 2, and then we read there, when Jesus had spoken these words, you know which words, right? Take heart, I have overcome the world. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you had given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you had given him. And then if we go to verse 5, we read in verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. At this crucial moment, Jesus is focused on glorifying God. He knows the appointed time to accomplish God's redemptive mission has come. He knows that the reason why he came to earth, the moment is in front of him. And then, therefore, he's praying. He's saying, Father, the hour has come. This statement, the hour has come, is a significant statement. This is the moment that the Old Testament had been anticipating. It is the hour when the serpent will be crushed as God promised to Adam and Eve. It is the hour when all the families of the earth will be blessed as God promised to Abraham. It is the hour when a king will be on the throne forever as God promised King David. It is the hour when the Lamb of God will be a slaughter for the forgiveness of sin as prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. All the rituals All the symbols, all the sacrifices offered in the Old Testament pointed to this hour. So Jesus is praying, saying, Father, 
the hour has come. And what Jesus is doing in this intimate moment is making sure that his disciples are hearing him. And that they are receiving this hope, this assurance that everything that was written and promised has been fulfilled in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. That is why he's praying in front of his disciples. And at this crucial moment, on the eve of his sacrifice, Jesus prayed fervently for God to be glorified. But how is God glorified? How is God glorified? Well, God is glorified when Jesus took on human flesh. When Jesus lived a perfect life, when Jesus offered his perfect life as a sacrifice to forgive all of us who are imperfect, God is glorified when Jesus ascended to God the Father to be crowned as King of kings and Lord of lords. That is when God is glorified. And then that is how God the Father glorified the Son. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 and verse 9 and 10, it's beautiful explained when Paul is saying, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then notice how this verse finished. To the glory, to the glory of God the Father. This passage clarified to us the full circle. Jesus glorified God the Father. And the Father glorified the Son. And everything goes back to the glory of God the Father when all of us reverently confess that Jesus is Lord. And that encloses all the circle. To God be the glory. And this emphasis, my dear brothers and sisters, is very, very important. Because this emphasis to give God the glory describes our purpose to be here on this earth as well. We were made to give glory to God and to enjoy God forever. But the second main priority in Jesus' prayer was 
his intercession for us. He is praying for us. He's praying for his glory, to give glory to God, but as well, he's praying for you and for me. Because Jesus has glorified God the Father, God the Father has also glorified Jesus, so now Jesus has all the authority. He has the power to pray for you. To intercede before the Father for you and for me. So that's what Jesus is doing in the next verses. He is praying for some blessings for us. He's praying for some specific blessings. And the first one that we find in this passage is in verse 11. Jesus is praying for our protection. Notice what verse 11 says. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus prays for our protection. In a world filled with trials, temptations, and adversities, Jesus' request for divine protection is a lifeline. I don't know what are you experiencing right now in your personal life. If you are at the university, as a student, if you are as a parent, in your marriage. But you need to make sure that Jesus is deeply concerned for your well-being. And in the midst of those situations, God is receiving the request of Jesus the Son for you, for protection. He's not asking you to take you out of the world. E even more, He is sending you into the world. But He is asking God the Father to protect you. Imagine a well-fortified fortress where God is at the entrance protecting you. This is the refuge that God, that Jesus is directing us. He understands that we face relentless assaults from the devil. He wants to steal our peace, our joy, and our faith. But Jesus Christ, in his role of advocate, Not only pray that, that day with his first disciples around him, but still continually implores the Father to guard us, to protect us. Take a moment right now. Think about that. Wherever you are experiencing right now, Jesus knows it. And because he knows it, he's praying specifically for you. And for you. For your protection. But the second thing 
Jesus is praying for our unity. Notice in verse 11 again, keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. You remember at the beginning I talked about the Trinity being in, in unity, in love. He is asking the same unity. Nobody can break that unity that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. And he's asking the same unity for you and for me. This unity extends beyond mere cooperation and kindness. It means a deep, unbreakable bound, bound, bond among believers. Imagine a tapestry woven from different threads, each contributing to the overall beauty of the fabric. That's you connected to me. That's the unity Jesus pray, prays for his followers. My dear friends, in a world marred by division, conflict, polarization, the unity of believers becomes a powerful testimony to Christ's transformative love. It is a visible demonstration that transcends cultural, racial, and social boundaries. goes beyond all that. When we, as Christians, stand united despite our differences, we reflect Christ's unifying love to the world, and we are drawing others to him. Third, Jesus prays for our joy. Look at verse 13. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy. It's not your joy. It's not our joy. It's not the joy that others can give us or other things can give us. It's my joy. That may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. As expressed in these verses, in this verse, Jesus' desire for our joy reveals a heart filled with compassion and understanding of what Jesus did for us. That is the joy of Jesus. He longs for us to experience a profound and enduring joy that transcends the circumstances as he enjoyed the cross, even knowing that he was going to be sacrificed. He endured the cross because of the joy that he had in front of him. This joy isn't rooted in fleeting happiness, but in an unshakable assurance of God's love and presence with us. The Puritan preacher Thomas Watson 
wrote extensively on the subject, subject of joy. And he said this, Joy is the sweet oil that makes the wheels of obedience run swiftly. Joy is the sweet oil that makes the wheels of obedience run swiftly. Watson believed that joy in Christ fuels our obedience and empowers us to live a life pleasing to God. When we live with the understanding that we are deeply loved by God, forgiven of our sins, and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, our joy remains constant. And it shines. And even it goes outside and touches others around us. The joy, the joy of Jesus fills us. But for the last part is Jesus prays for our sanctification. In verse 17, he says, set them apart, sanctify them in the truth. And he says, your word is truth. And this request emphasizes God's transformative work within us. Sanctification is a process of becoming like Jesus. Sanctification is a process of becoming more like Jesus, progressively shedding our old sinful, sinful nature and adopting his character. Have you seen these shredding machines? That is the process of sanctification. He's putting you there, destroying all of you, and making something new. Yes, it can be hard. Imagine, but imagine a master sculptor chiseling away at, away at a block of marble to reveal a magnificent work of art. It's painful to be doing this, this, and transforming that piece of marble into something beautiful. But that is the process of sanctification. God, through His Word, and God through the work of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and God using the circumstances around us, everything works for good for those who, what, what the verse says? Who are called according to His purposes. So you see, this passage is, is a beautiful reminder of the love and care that Jesus has for us. 
His intercession, intercession, intercession for our protection, unity, and joy, and holiness shows how committed he was for our spiritual well-being. So in those moments, my dear friends, when life feels overwhelming, when you cannot wake up in the morning, when you don't want to wake up that morning, when you are thinking about all the many things that you have experienced, are experiencing, and all you need to be doing during that day, then is when you need to remember that we have Jesus on our side, interceding for your strength, for your encouragement, for your joy, for your sanctification. For protection. You are not alone. And that's why Jesus want, wanted to, 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 to have his disciples here in that conversation. And, and he wants us to be aware of this conversation that he had with his father. He allows us to witness this conversation with the Father so we can be encouraged. Romans 8.34 says that He continues to intercede for us. Notice what says Romans 8.34. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised, who was glorified, and who is at the right hand of God, and who indeed, notice that, who is indeed interceding for us. Isn't that encouraging? And that's why Romans continue saying in that same passage, Romans 8, 34 says at the end, so then says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sore? Not in all these things we are more, no, says Romans chapter 8, verse 37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You are safe. You are protected. Because you have Jesus interceding for you.
Take courage, my brother. In this world, we will have tribulation. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. As we conclude our time reflecting on Jesus' intimate conversation with you, Father, we are grateful for the privilege of witnessing this profound moment. Thank you for the assurance that Jesus intercedes for us, praying for our protection, our unity, joy, and sanctification. Help us remember our purpose, that is to glorify you in all we do. May we find strength in knowing that Jesus stands by us, guiding us through life's challenges. And may we live out, out the love and the unity he prayed for, being sources of joy and sanctification in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.